Hello, everybody! Uh, welcome to the second episode of the 414. Today's guest is another very, very special guest. This is my firstborn, that's right, the first man to make me his pledge father, my pledge son, Quinn Manford. Yeah. Yes, gl glad to be here. Welcome, Quinn. I'm glad you are here. So, speaking of pledge son, real quick, I, I don't think I've ever talked about this to you at all. Around the time when you guys were, or maybe afterwards, when you guys made your selections, James came up to me and he he told me that you had told everyone else that you wanted to choose me and I don't remember uh the quote he said but it was for a pretty wholesome reason and he he him talking about you uh he he exclaimed how how genuine you were and that made me feel very good nice, 2 years nice, ago nice, so nice. so thank you for that yeah no problem yeah but um yeah so Quinn is another one of the fraternity brothers like Camden. So we'll start there. So I am the current president of the fraternity. Yes, you for are. those of you who don't know, kind of cool. Um, and in Fiji, there is a cabinet of five people and Quinn is on that cabinet in what role? The historian. Yes. And the historian is the, uh, it's the fifth the technical lowest role. Least important. No, the least well, important. see, some people who don't know what they're talking about might tell you that, but is actually quite important. Now, the reason it gets the bad rep is because the way we're structured, so we have the president who does a lot, the treasurer has the budget and is like our vice president as well, and then we have two secretaries who also have prominent roles, uh, both during chapter with the minutes and then another one who organizes our biggest alumni event. Mm -hmm. And so then the historian, his role comes to be, well, with historian being the history of the chapter Advisor, type stuff. The archives. Right, right, right. No. Keeping keeping our history yep. uh, prevalent. And so one, one of those specific roles is just not just, but is working with freshmen and yep. catching them up on what the fraternity is and the history of that. And so the reason the reason he gets that bad rep is just because people see that as being a little less important. However, what what people don't realize or think about is that all of the cabinet roles, all of these leadership roles go beyond whatever that specific uh, responsibility is yeah, yeah. on paper um, in that we're all we're all the leaders making the decisions so even the historian is in what I refer to as the room where it happens and so uh, Quinn Quinn's input uh, has been invaluable there speaking of the room where it happens and just the importance of roles being there the Room Where It Happens is a song from what musical? Hamilton. That's right. The greatest musical to come out of Broadway. And that is why you are my son. Yes. It is It is quite good. I've seen it a couple of times. How about you? Uh, there was a week straight my senior year of high school where I watched it every day. On? Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Okay, okay, okay. But you haven't, you haven't seen it in person yet. I have not. Ooh, well, you should definitely change that. At I some point. really would like to, but my contention is I've only ever seen it on Disney Plus with the original cast. That is fair. The original cast and I is pretty sick. Don't know how I would feel going to see it live with new people. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Well, but my, my, we can talk more Hamilton if we want. Actually, last night as I was going to bed, uh, a couple of the freshmen were bumping Hamilton in the showers. So uh, yes, yeah, hard to beat, hard to beat. But I I bring up Hamilton because the the notion of being in the room where it happens, uh, which yes, that's right, folks. We have connected fraternity to Broadway musicals pretty quickly on this episode. Beautiful. But the again that that concept of being in the room where it happens, that is what I live for. Um, and so I remember. My my sophomore year, Quinn's freshman year, I had a room where a lot of people would congregate, and uh, sometimes decisions would be made. But even 
even outside of the leadership aspect of just being the room where people come to hang out in is really enjoyable to me. Um, but then back in the, the leadership context, being, being in the room where it happens, being the people who have the say, who know what's going on, I have a good time with that. And it a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. That is a very true statement. Yes. And the, that, that's something I've known about myself for a long time. So my dad was the president of my youth baseball organization when I was maybe nine or 10 years old. And I recall fondly listening in to him and some other adults talk about the inner workings of the league and just being being so caught up in who what was happening, who was doing a bad job, why decisions were being made. And I think that has it's influenced me and played a role in why I'm going the law school route and yeah. maybe eventually the maybe not politician, but at least government, maybe not, but more okay, government okay. role uh, at some point too. So yeah, and with that said, you are in a similar boat-ish. Yeah. So you spent the summer in DC. What were you doing there? So I was working for a trade association. Uh, Security Industry Association, um, and it's basically a organization that works for other companies. Um, and this particular trade association was focusing on physical security, so physical access control, sensors, cameras, things like that. And I was in the government relations like section of this company, and basically. In layman's terms, it's just lobbying. So we would track bills that would we thought were either negative or positive for our clients. Then we'd go to the Hill, meet with congressmen, talk to them, be like, hey, do you support this bill? What do you think about this bill? Things like that. And we would just be looking out for the interests of our clients through federal and state law. Very nice. And is that is that something that you want to continue doing? So I wouldn't say lobbying. Um, this was just my first experience in DC. Okay. And I really, I just wanted to get my feet wet, see what it was like. And right now I would love to be in the state department. I'm trying to get an internship there this summer. Um, but yes, I do want to be in DC. I definitely want to be in DC. I want to, I want to be there, know what the going on, goings on are, things like that. So very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So last week, Camden and I were talking about our physics and chemistry majors and the STEM side of things. <laughs> and sometimes guys at Wabash uh, in, in my areas of study like to crap on the non-science majors and, you know, they don't have to do labs and they yep, have it yep, easy. Yep, yep. It, it's a thing. It's a yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's, that's really just not right in a lot of ways. Um, Besides the fact of just not being nice, it's also inaccurate to, to say that th- those guys aren't smart or don't know what they're doing. And one of the times, Quinn, uh, for you specifically, but really just people in general, that really, really humbled me and reminded me that there are people who are way smarter than me, even if they are not a science major. It was last year. I forget what those trivia quizzes were called the 20 oh, question um, uh jump jump something wasn't it sporkle not sporkle i do know about sporkle and i like sporkle um trivia crack no, no i know what you're talking i know what you're talking about but yes, yes. it's uh it for, for the audience there's just a 20 a 20 question completely random trivia list with um different different topics and you have it's like two minutes or something. Yeah, a couple and minutes to try and get all twenty. Him. Yeah, and we tried for weeks to there, get there, all. 20. There was a group of us, and we we tried and tried and tried, but the the first time that I was in there, th- there would be whether it was geographical or historical, which which I enjoy history quite a bit, but there would be these questions that I would have no idea, and guys like yourself would like that just ha- hammer out the answer. Uh, and the that really did impress me. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I, I took a father a saying from my father actually. I'd like to say I'm a wealth of useless knowledge. Um, you you just get that from reading. You know, I read a lot of books. 
obviously I took a lot of history classes, so that helps a little bit. But it's just reading and reading outside of class, going on the internet, looking at stuff, watching videos. There's this great YouTube channel, actually, called Extra History. And they have, like, short mini-series, like, eight episodes each. The videos are, like, seven to ten minutes long. And they just choose a topic, and they just talk about it for, like, eight episodes. So there's one on, like, the Crusades. There's one on the Siege of Vienna, things like that. And that's that's where I got most of my just random knowledge of stuff, is just watching those videos, like, when I'm working out or something like that. That That's pretty much it. And... I'll humble myself. It's not that, like, impressive, all right? It's just regurgitating knowledge that I've heard. But I do have a lot of knowledge. The, in like, hey, knowledge is power. And so you are a history major? I'm a history major and political science major. The double. The double. Major, the double. Yeah. Very nice. Also very not nice. that hard, to Well, be completely fair. Well, double major is a lot. Double major is a lot. And, yeah, like we said, Quinn is very smart. My dad was also a history major here. There you go. Fun fact. There you go. So, yeah, uh, history is very cool. Quinn, one of my favorite things about you is your commitment. So is it is it three years in a row now that you've had an injury? Or is it two? Um, two years. Two years, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two years in a row, you've, so Quinn's on the soccer team. Yeah. And now two years in a row you've had a season-ending injury. Yep. Um, and it would be very easy for you to hang up the cleats and call it that, but – as you stand out there in the heat at practice and at games, supporting the guys, that that is something that we can all look to and um, respect you for. Yeah, no, it's um, it's something my mother gave me. She was a student athlete as well. She swam at IU, and she was always the one to like take me to practice and stuff. Be early, don't be late, things like that. And uh, she just gave me this thing of don't quit. Um, and obviously I'm on the team for myself a little bit. Like, obviously I want to be there. I want to be playing. I want to be better. I want to be a better soccer player. But there's a certain aspect of I've made a commitment to this team to be there, to be a part of it. And quitting just – I mean, I, I, when, I, when I signed the letter of intent or whatever it's called, I signed almost like a four-year contract that I would be on this team for four years and I would go through my college career supporting this team. And, I mean, just because you're injured doesn't void that contract. And a part of me, like, still thinks that I could come back and play, you know what I mean? So Oh, of course. Obviously, I'm still there for that aspect, but you got to be there for the team, yes, first sir. and foremost. Yes, sir. Very admirable. So, so let's talk a little soccer. So I, coming into Wabash, I could have cared – Probably not. Could, probably could not have cared much less about soccer. That sediment uh, shared by a lot of people. Yes, yes. And somehow uh, I just find myself drawn to soccer guys. So I, uh, I've, I've roomed with a few uh, and buddies with a few, and so it, it has infiltrated my life a little bit. And so I, I've my knowledge is slightly increased. Slowly I, growing. Yeah, okay. I would, I would say. No expert, but then what? What really took uh, Wabash America by storm was the the World Cup last year. Mm-hmm. That was super fun to watch. Um, our that formal the greatest one of the greatest days ever. Yeah, people really enjoyed getting to watch the championship of the World Cup. The Sunday morning of yep. formal in Chicago. We're in that little Irish pub, yes. like nine in the morning. Yeah. Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. So what? What should draw me to soccer, Quinn? See, I actually get asked that question a lot. I bet it's it's been asked in different ways, but mo- mostly it's like, why why should I enjoy soccer? And and to me, it it doesn't stop. You know, like, football is, there's a play, they play, play football for, what, 30 seconds, and then there's a break. Not 30, it'd be, it's like six, yeah. Yeah, but exactly. you, there, there's stop, start, yeah. stop, start. Soccer is just flowing. You, you don't have set plays. You can't take a timeout, prepare something. You have to think on your feet when you're on the field, and you have to react to what the team's doing. You don't have a timeout 
to change tactics or something. You have you you are con continuously changing your formation, changing your idea how to play the game within a half, and then at halftime you can go reevaluate, see what's going on. But soccer is just so continuous that players having to think on their feet is an aspect that I find really interesting. Okay, okay, I like that. The and I think another another part that has really drawn me that I think a lot of people. Uh, mention is the international aspect of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you see it in other sports, but it's not the same. Like, there is no, like, cooler thing or honor than playing for your country. And, I mean, you could argue the Olympics are huge, obviously. The World Cup is the pinnacle of soccer. Mm -hmm. If you ask pretty much any soccer player if they could only win one trophy in their career... I'd venture 99% of those guys would say the World Cup. Yep. And you see people like Lionel Messi, who just won the World Cup for Argentina, and what it means to a country, like the celebration in the streets. You've probably seen the photos, like after they won the World Cup, when they just flood Buenos Aires. Just thousands of people just in the streets yelling, cheering. Um, it's, it's an incredible sight. It, it, I mean, there's nothing beats it. There really isn't that anything beats it. I agree. I do agree. Which is the it's it's not my number one sport at by any by any means, but the it is pretty pretty cool. So I actually in the seventh and eighth grade played in my school's the the co ed league that my oh school boy. was in. Yeah, and it was it it was a tough league. So you had to against other the other COIO schools in the area and you basically had to go undefeated. There wasn't to make it to the championship, which there wasn't playoffs. It was just uh, a two teams from each half mm -hmm. that had the best record, which was undefeated, yeah. met in it. And we, have, we never went, which was quite ludicrous based off who was playing. We had a multitude of club soccer guys and girls yeah. who were really good um, uh, with the addition to some just – guys like myself all Just athletes yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. we were we were we did okay and but we, we, we never did make it but i played goalie oh boy ne ne uh george and i we would usually be the two we would each take a half and it was it was something it was something i remember the it would have been the first game of eighth grade I'm out there playing goalie, and this is against the team that it was one of those we got to win this game because this is the only game mm -hmm. that's gonna be close yeah. until the championship if we make it. Of course, we ended up losing that game, and I think I gave up like three goals in the first half, one of which was definitely should not have, and Tough. a second one that Tough. probably could have stopped. And you know, I I wasn't a true soccer goalie, but you know. Goalkeeper. I'm a competitor. And goalkeeper is the hardest position. It, it was difficult. And I was just pissed. And after the game, the all of like the club soccer players on our team were they were laughing at me saying, dude, it's not that deep. But yeah. it was goalkeeper is the hardest position in soccer for the sole fact that if you make a mistake the consequence is so much greater right, right, than right. anybody, any other position player. If you make a mistake, it's you're giving up a goal. Yeah. And any if like a midfielder loses the ball, he might it like it's okay because you know there's defense we can cover. But if a shot comes in, the goalie misses it or it goes through his hands, that's a goal, and you're automatically on the back foot. So the the keeper position is insanely hard just for that reason alone. So Quinn, where are you from? I am from Atlanta, Georgia. You are. You are. And I think probably one of the most profound things I've heard in my life was hearing you talk about talking about being from Atlanta and how, in a sense, you were the minority there. Yes. Yeah. And kind of the way that taught you to live. So, so tell us a bit about that. So, I mean, growing up in Georgia, Atlanta specifically – um, I was in my class, I was one of two white guys out of how many, uh, I don't, our high school was 3,200 kids. Okay. So oh, there was, oh. there was a lot of kids there. Yeah. Got it. 
Um, I went to Campbell High School. Um, and it was, it was just different. Uh, I didn't think I was, like, it was anything special. Or, like, I, I thought, like, as a kid growing up, you think that's everybody's experience. Because right. you don't have, like... I didn't see any other school. I didn't really see anybody outside of that school. Well, to, to talk on that real quick, not to interrupt, but I remember before... So I, I grew up going to Catholic school, K through 12, and before I understood that not everyone in the world was a Catholic, because you, yeah, you, yeah. you go to Catholic school and you're learning religion, uh, theology in school, and so you think that's what everyone does. And I remember I was at like a winter camp, daycare kind of thing in the second or third grade, and it was picture time. And I drew a picture of myself in a suit, and one of the kids asked, "What are what what is that?" And I said, "Oh, this was me at my first communion, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. One, it's one of the pinnacle sacraments of Catholicism. The Eucharist is, and so mm-hmm. the first time you get it, super huge deal that we make of it. And he didn't know what I was talking about, and that confused me. And then." The one of the counselors who must have probably been in high school came around and saw that, and she asked me about it, and I told her, "Oh, it's my first communion," and she said, "Oh, are you Catholic?" And I said, "Yes," and she said, "Oh, me too. That's so cool." And that that actually this is a kind of a change of topic. It was it's really cool reflecting on that because I remember in the moment of like as this second third grader piecing together the this world, the understanding of the world that, okay, so some people are like me and have this shared experience, but not everyone. And I started to understand. And then in fourth grade, when I went to a camp at a Methodist church, and it was time for prayer before lunch, and my siblings and I did the sign of the cross, and no one else did. Oh, okay, so there's people that don't do that. And, And understanding that, and it's it's one of those things that they don't teach you as a kid that not everyone's like you, that not everyone has the same religion. Um, yeah, it is interesting. But but back to you, the, yours is different in the fact that you, you can see that not everyone looks like you. So sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. You're good. There. You're good. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was just normal. Like there would, when I was growing up, there was no, oh, I'm, like, I'm the only guy like me here. It was just normal, I guess. Um, I mean, my friend group was comprised of a guy from Mexico. There was a Hindu from Indy, in, in India, Hindi. Um, there was an Asian from Vietnam, and there was two black guys. And that, that was my friend group. Um, and we were just, it was just normal. It was just normal. And then I moved to Fishers, Indiana, my sophomore year of high school. Yep. And I will never forget... I go first day of high school, obviously Fishers, Indiana, upper middle class, very well off, a lot of white people there. Um, and I'm walking through the halls my first day, and I see I see a black guy. I'm like, oh, okay. So I walk up to him, and I go to dap him up, because that's, that's what I did growing up. Like, whenever you greeted somebody, even adults, like, I would, you'd dap him up, give him a little hug, you know. So I walk up to him, and I go to dap him up, and he sticks out his hand to shake my hand. Like, normal. and I was like, oh, my God. I, I was shocked. I was like, this is crazy. But, uh, yeah, there, there was, all I could say was normal. It was just normal. It was, you just grew up like that. I had, I did have a little bit of an accent. Like, I used words like finna, gonna, ain't never, things like that. And I quickly dropped that when I moved to Indiana because people would be like, why are you talking like that? And I was like, uh, and so I don't use those words anymore, but I definitely used to talk like that. But that's about it. Well, no, and that's, I would say that's good, right? Of it, The fact that it was normal is, I think, a good sign for so many reasons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Back to soccer. So since I don't know anything about soccer, when I think soccer, I think of skinnier dudes that are running around the whole time. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Quinn, Quinn is a, a, a beast of a man. He's a, right, about I what? Six, about I six, go that far. Six two, just 
muscle. A little generous. Um, but yeah, and so you're you're a bigger guy, and so the tell me about that and soccer where it's the constant running. So, the as a center back, which that's my position. It's the center of the defense. Um, you do need to be a little bit bigger. Uh, you want to have muscle so you're able to move guys around, move guys off the ball, but you also need to have cardio to be able to run all game. And to be fair, as a center back, you're not running as much as, say, a midfielder or a forward. Um, but it's just it's about finding that balance because at one point I was, I was over-muscled and my, my cardio wasn't there. I was in the gym too much. I was too heavy, and I wasn't able to move around quick enough. I wasn't agile. So it's about finding that balance of where you have mass, but you can also move that mass around for an extended period of time and be quick. So it's all about finding that balance in between. It's interesting that you say that, and, well, I, I guess I, I, along, with my, uh, along with my co-ed soccer, so, uh, again, I, I did have a bit of pre-college soccer exposure, um, but some of my best friends at home who were on, who they played, uh, the the club soccer girls, they would say how soccer is um, a contact sport. Oh yeah. And I, Tom, what are you talking oh, yeah. about? Um, but as I've, it is, it is. Yeah. And I think, I think that gets muddied down with people's conception of the flops. Yes. yes and yes, yes. stuff like that. But it, it is they're they're banging around, and the reason that flops come because there are a, a lot of actual yeah. violent physical contacts, especially in in high school and college soccer in the United States. It, physicality is huge. It, it, the play obviously is there. The the combinations, the technical skill needs to be there for a good team to be successful. But when it comes down to it, a lot of college soccer is who's faster and who's stronger. And it really is, when you're in the box for a corner kick or something like that, you're pushing guys off the ball, you're shoving around, you're trying to gain position. And if you're a short little scrawny kid, you're going to have trouble getting in there because guys are literally just going to move you off the ball, regardless of how quick your feet might be or how technical you are. So it, it really is college soccer, speed and physicality. Those are huge aspects of the game. And the one other thing about being physical, I'll make this my last reference to my co-ed soccer days. Uh, but one time when I was not in, in the goal, but was like playing midfielder, whatever, I was I was trying to defend someone and they were trying to kick it, you know, deep down the field. And instead of going deep down the field, it went right into my face. Oh, yeah. And it, it, I, it hit me and I kind of... Felt, felt back and tried to stay on my feet for a second and then just walloped right to the ground. And there's there's a couple pictures with this huge uh, nice. black eye that came pretty immediately after that. And the that, as well as all the headers that are involved, yep. it's, it's a physical sport. I've had, what, three concussions now from playing soccer. And actually, I had a similar thing my freshman year. You probably remember this. We were playing yes. Kenyan yes. in the uh, semifinals of conference, and I was defending, and a guy tried to cross the ball. He was probably a yard away from me, and he pretty much volleyed it right into my face. And, it I mean, I got knocked out. I had a concussion. It, like, yes, there is flopping, and guys go to ground easily, and there are people that do that, and that's why soccer gets a bad rep. But there is a lot of contact and it beats up your body a lot. It really does. But, yeah. So, concussions. So, back to my football days, I suffered a very severe concussion playing high school football. So, it was my junior year. It was the final varsity game of the season. And I wasn't seeing the field, but we were up big. So, I, I was. I was playing the last couple minutes and the other team still had their starters in so they had this big he was he was a running back but like more fullback type guy yeah. and so I, I played corner 
but I somehow ended up in the box and tackled him. And I smacked the crap out of this kid, but I did it just straight with my head onto nice. his. And, I mean, it. Yeah, I, you can go back. The video, It's I hit him good, but I probably punished myself a little worse. And what really did me in was I didn't – I felt fine at first. And so the following day – the worst. The, the headache. Fall, well, no. The following day, I played in the JV football Ooh, game, and mistake. Yeah, that I think was very bad for the old noggin, and so I I felt pretty bad and was out for a while after that, and was a little a little late getting into the junior track season, and I'm not sure if it's completely attributable to that, but probably much more often than I should. To this day, I literally see stars much more often being that because you should really never be <coughs> seeing those like stars run across. And it's yeah. that is probably not ideal. And I don't think I've ever told my mom that. So, mom, if you hear, hear that, uh, sorry about that one. But I'm, he's I, okay. I, I do okay. His I do mental okay. Mental faculties are intact. Yes. Yes. But it, it is crazy. And con- concussions, the, we'll put the word out. Very. They very real, very important. Do your best to avoid, and if it happens, take the proper medical precautions. Yeah, I've been lucky. I haven't. I feel like I haven't had lasting effects. Okay. Um. But I definitely like the ones I've had have been. Oh, dude, that Kenyan one. The bus ride home. It was like a, it's like a seven and a half hour bus ride back from Kenyan, and I'm in this. I was in the seat just miserable, just pounding headache. I was seeing double. The trainer, Lauren, shout out. She was, she's the goat. She would, she came to me like halfway through, and she's like, "You look like death." And I like, I was like, "Do you have any like anything at all? Please give me something." And all she could give me was like two of these little Advil, and uh, it, it was some of the worst, one of the worst seven and a half hours of my life. It was horrible. Yeah, that's brutal. One of the stereotypes of, I guess guys in general when it comes to their friendships uh kind of the the guy versus girl friendship so for girls the stereotype is how nice they will be to their faces and then talk about each other behind their back and then the opposite for guys it's how mean they are to each other even though they love each other and i would say your relationship with your pledge brothers and I'd throw Bodie in there typifies that. Oh yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Um, our, our friend group is we're best. Like we are best friends. We've been through a lot together. We'd, we'd all do things for each other, like exponential things. We'd all, we'd all die for each other. But when, if you just look at us, you'd think we hate each other. Yeah. We, we are just constantly making fun of each other joking around with each other, trying to screw each other up. Uh, it, it's it's incredible. That That's what makes it so much fun, though, is because you know, like, I can I can insult someone, and they, they know it's not real, you know, and, the, and they can give it back to me, and we just go back and forth. And then at the end of the day, you hug it out, and it's just, we're bros. There's that, but I think the one, the one thing, the one issue is when someone is actually truly upset yeah and when when that's the when that's when this insults relationship is the life you live you might not notice that at first that's fair i will say i feel like our group specifically has learned enough to know like what buttons to press what buttons not to press and we're comfortable with each other to the point where we can say like, "Hey, I'm not having a really good day. Um, maybe let's just cool out, chill out for a few, like for a few hours." And we're we're able to do that. We could just like say, I don't know, Jahan comes in, he's like, "Hey guys, had a rough lab, whatever." We won't we won't do that. We're we're comfortable with each other with enough where we know what buttons to press, what buttons not to press, which lines not to cross, things like that. So we've come a long way from our freshman year. Okay, okay, that's very good. Yeah. That's very good. Something maybe a bit related to that along those lines of just uh, talking, being honest, being vulnerable 
with guy friends that comes to my mind. So uh, for for the listeners, Fiji Academy is it's a it's a leadership development kind of seminar thing for a couple of days in St. Louis. At least it has been the past few years, and it's it's okay. You learn a lot, but it it's more fun of just getting to meet guys from different chapters, whether it's Ohio State, um, as far as Arizona and all in between. So that's cool. But really what's even better than that is the nice little trip that you get to spend with your own uh, chapter fraternity brothers. And so um, the five of us on cabinet and then Hendy, so all six of us went earlier this year in January and maybe you remember, I don't precisely, but on the drive back, I don't remember what prompted it. I know it. exactly what you're talking about. I don't remember what prompted it, but it, we had a fantastic discussion. It was, it the in the way that that social media or different, maybe a, a guest speaker, the way that different people will tell men uh particularly young men that you sh- don't be afraid to be emotional to open up to people to to tell you what's going on um that's that's what we did and so obviously we, we won't share what everyone's getting into yeah, yeah. but for example i was uh my my lola has been uh, struggling with her health for a couple years now and i think i had had a um and she she's still with us, still fighting strong. And actually, the the last time I went to see her, I we prayed the rosary together with a few of the other people in the nursing home. Yeah. Which that's that's what I think is side note here. But what makes me really happy? So she she doesn't really remember who I am, um, my name. Sometimes uh, it kind of depends, but. She can say her rosary and her prayers every single time, and so amen. that yeah, amen. It, it makes me happy to see her doing that. But anyway, so stuff like that. We we were talking about what was going on in our lives, and we we all had a a difficulty. And for I don't know, probably forty five minutes to an hour. We oh, it's more than that. It wasn't the whole time back, but it was like the last two hours of the car ride. Okay, okay, if you say so, but. Um, we, it was just, it was unbelievable. I, yeah, it was, it was a great conversation because after it was over, I think everybody had a newfound sense of respect for one another, understanding. And I mean, we just can't, we were closer. Yeah. When, when you're, when you're vulnerable with someone and you share those vulnerabilities and they're not judging you, they're not like being mean to you about it it's it's a great feeling and i mean we, we i mean i do it i had one last night you know you just have a conversation with the guys and you just open up and it's great those are some of the best times at wabash that they are late late night conversations like from midnight to like three in the morning is prime wabash yep because you're in a room with four or five guys and you're just talking. It's random stuff, but you're just talking. Sometimes it's serious, sometimes it's not. But that, that is the best part of Wabash, and that's what we did in that car ride. I agree. I agree. Sp- speaking, speaking of that, um, the so we we talked last time about one of my my just scripted lines that I say to. Um, recruits that I'm trying to get into Fiji or just Wabash in general. And one I didn't say that I'll say now has to do with what Quinn's talking about. And that is that whenever I am awake late at night and I want to have a conversation, I know there will be someone awake who I can go and hang out with and talk till two, three in the morning. And those are the best nights. And the, on that note, it's it's interesting how some some people outside of Wabash um, they understand that 
about Wabash. So I'm, I'm, I'm referencing, I was with a couple friends at home from high school, uh, maybe over the summer, and someone asked, what was my favorite moment ever at Wabash? And if people, if people think of particular moments, they might think of a bell game or a chapel sing, one of the monumental milestones. But I, someone, someone answered for me, and he said it was probably sometime playing euchre, just talking to guys. And I guess the probably the reason that guy knew and was correct with his answer is because that's what he and I do as buddies ourselves. Yeah. But and that made me reflect and think. Those are the those are the people you want to surround yourself with, whether it's Wabash or not. The, the guys that you can just, even if you're not playing cards, just talk to. Yeah, I mean, you were you were talking about best moments at Wabash and then late night conversations, and there was like four times that just popped into my mind that were absolutely incredible. Like, I mean, the trivia questions that we were doing, we were doing that at like one thirty, two in the morning, yep. and we'd be in that room for an hour and a half mm-hmm. redoing this over and over again. Or at one time in 224 where we had probably like 18 guys in there. We were watching the Babadook at like 1.30 in the morning and we're all screaming, yelling. I mean, it's just those times are incredible. And also the maybe maybe slightly less memorable in some ways, maybe not even at all though, there, there are some times that will just pop out out of nowhere where I was walking to the bathroom to brush my teeth or use the restroom once more before going to bed and then as I'm walking to bed or just in the hall someone grabs me and so a a couple that come to mind my freshman year it was exactly that I was just brushing my teeth trying to go to bed and Richard and Jonathan and Key or I think maybe Key wasn't there but anyway those two or three guys grabbed me and asked what I thought about Asian Culture Club and starting that up. And then all of a sudden, it went from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., yeah. but we had our plan for Asian Culture Club. Yeah. Um, in a, similarly, I think it would have been your first semester, because I think it was when I was taking the OG Conwa. It was one of those I was just trying to, ooh, maybe not... Because I think it was the semester that Reese and Chris and nah maybe it wasn't that semester, Oof. but either way it was you me and Bodie in two twenty three. Oh, was that Bigler's room? E- yes, I think it was. So then that would have been that first semester. I, I, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. pretty sure it was the first semester. Because Brooks showed up later, right? Brooks showed up later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And because it was, it was one of those where, because I had class at 8 a.m. That's why I remember that being that semester. But yeah. and I don't even remember what we talked about. Everything under the sun. That's, that's what those conversations are. But, yes, just, that's what it is. And I, I brought that one up because that's what I was talking about of you're trying to go to bed, you got an 8 a.m., and it doesn't even matter. Yeah, you just you get lost. Like, It'll, you don't even intend for them to happen. You'll just, you'll, you'll walk in, like, trying to grab something, and you start a conversation. You're like, all right, I'll leave in, like, five minutes. And you're talking, you're talking, and then you look at your watch or your phone, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I've been in here an hour and a half. It's now 2.30 in the morning. It's insane. Well, and so on last Saturday evening, you were not part of this one, because this is when you did go to bed at, like, 11.30, but... Which is okay, but there were there was a a group of us probably around like a little after you went to bed maybe like twelve thirty one a.m. Uh, we started out on the front porch and then we were done, which consisted of everybody moving inside and finding more people in the living Continuing room. Continuing to talk, yeah, yep. and a couple of people came down from upstairs and. By two two thirty, it's like everyone because we we had a a big day the next day had to some people had to get up I had to get up for church at nine thirty yeah. so we everyone knew we needed to get to bed but nobody wanted to leave and yeah. it it's just and you always say like oh it's two thirty I should probably go to bed and then 
another 30 minutes pass and then another 30 minutes pass and you're like all right now now i gotta go to bed and then like another 15 minutes pass and you're like okay let's go to bed now the four-year conversations are the best though because oh. i remember it was freshman year because berg was there and it was it was bodie berg me hendy and my tommy might have been there but it was probably one in the morning and I don't even know why we were all there, but we just talked for probably an hour and a half. Well, and the the what's awesome about the foyer is, and yeah, we'll yeah we'll have different people going to different rooms and such, but to an extent, you know, we've we've got our main groups of people that you spend time with in the yeah. rooms, and that's not to say that you don't see you go into everyone's room eventually, but you know, based on the day. Someone's probably going to be with the same main group, which is nothing wrong with that. That's how the house ends up going. But in the foyer, everybody goes out the front door. Everybody comes in the front door. You just get an amalgamation of people that normally or usually don't spend time together. And it's it's a great time. And that's, that's, that's why I, even though we've got our... I'm very excited for NFL football coming up because there's not much better than sitting back on Sundays. I'm not going to be bottom three. Even though I'm projected last, we can talk. We can talk about that. We can talk about that. Okay. But even though you know, most everyone's got the TV in their room to lounge around and watch football. It's that's why room. it's so you got to get your butt down to the living room yep. and watch with the people. Hundred um, percent. But yeah, why don't you why don't you tell us a bit about the fantasy football uh, league and what's going on? Yeah. So. We, there's a group of guys that got together, you know, just form a fantasy football league. Um, but we spent, we did the draft, and then we probably spent, I want to say like 30, 45 minutes talking about the punishment. We did. For uh, the losers of this year's fantasy football. So bottom, we, we decided on bottom three does a beer mile. Correct. And then the bottom two of the beer mile has to do the Waffle House Challenge or the IHOP Challenge, whichever one. But it's – a lot of people probably know you spend 24 hours in a Waffle House or IHOP and every, like, waffle or pancake you eat, that's an hour off your time. Yes, but at least we were being – we felt generous, so we're going to let the two losers Be combine. Yeah, yeah. So if Quinn and I are the bottom two – We won't be. Well, of course not, because I was I'm ranked to get first or second. Can't say the same for I'm you. I'm ranked last. Yeah, rankings don't matter. Well, we'll see about that. Let's be honest. But for example, if Quinn and I were to finish the last in the beer mile, which also would never happen because I will be winning that if that happens. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Interesting. If somehow Quinn and I are the bottom two in the beer mile. And so then we have to do the Waffle House Challenge. If we both eat three waffles, then we can combine our three, three plus three, six hours off of the 24. But I've been saying, I've been saying, you've, if you put me in a Waffle House, I'll can six to eight waffles. Dude, pretty, I, like, you know me. Yeah. I, like, I can be a munch. Yeah. Right? I eat a lot of food, I'll be honest. I do as well. You put me in an IHOP and give me pancakes. In one sitting, I feel like I could take No, 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 not pancakes, though. Pancakes... All right, waffles. Are, yeah, it's got to be a full waffle. All right. I feel like I could house eight to ten waffles. No, yeah, that's, that's exactly how I... I mean, I might just do that for fun with the guys. Who knows? Oh, I'll sh- if, I'm a lo- if I'm not a loser, I'll show up. Yeah, yeah I'm saying I might... I'm leaving have- after 30 minutes, though, because I want him to be punished. No, that's fair. That's fair. I'm not... This is your punishment, bro. I know. I feel like, I feel like we were, were too nice, though. I mean, I mean... The cumulative... Cause yeah, if you the, think the about it... hours, it's like... Like, they could probably both eat six to eight and then what realistically they're probably only spending like four or five hours in right. there but but you know what the fact that it's their second punishment i guess is oh yeah dude the beer mile would suck it would like it's not even the running for me that would screw me up it's the the chugging yeah beer yeah like, i'm not why, i'm not a good chugger I'm when it comes either. to that stuff i'm not either. that's why I, I i have this confidence in the beer mile with the running part but if there's if there's someone who can move a little bit and can actually chug, I might have an issue oh. because yeah, dude. Oh, Benny Benny is a little bit scary when it comes to that. Ooh, because you know I'm not too he, scared of him running. I so I was literally about to tell you, 
he he's good at chugging, mm-hmm. but he's been working on his cardio a little has bit. Has he? He's been working on the cardio. Not intensively, but he has been hitting the treadmill a little bit. So if he continues to do that through the football season, he could be a scary prospect. Yeah, well, he's going to have a lot of cardio working to do if I uh, really am going to be um, on on guard for him. But the thing, the thing about Benny is so we were talking about these late night conversations that we have just yesterday benny and i did a similar activity uh of i would call it bonding of rather than conversations though it was a nap together so we were we were supposed to yes yes we were supposed to have a meeting with another guy um but that didn't happen and instead we both ended up falling asleep in my chill room, and uh, I woke I woke up after about an hour and a half. Saw him walk out, said, "Yep, yeah, sounds about right." And then I went back for another thirty minutes. So, that is electric. Yeah, and it was it was pretty great. So with that said, Benny, uh, I know he's a little upset that you got to be a guest before him. We actually, so I, I lifted with him before this. Oh, okay. And we were talking about it, and he, I said, hey, I got to leave a little bit early. I got to go do a podcast with my father. And he goes, well, can I come? And I was like, no, 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 this is a father, father-son thing. And he's like, but I did mention that maybe, maybe we could do this. I was like, joint podcast with me and Benny. But also, I'm going to crash the podcast when you have him on. Okay. I'm not going to let him have a solo podcast, okay. by the way. Well, yeah, Benny, some, someday, someday we will get you the mystery man on here, and it'll, it'll be up to you to keep Quinn out of your hair. Uh, I, I will be joining okay. that podcast. I Sounds said it. I said it already. But right. It's going to happen. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I, th- I think that just about does it today. Uh, Quinn, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. It was a lot of fun. Good. Yeah. And we will see you guys next time.